what a mature Christian looks like. That's next, right here on Growing Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Zion, I build with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. Sit deal and the crippled stand, singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. It's been said that age doesn't define maturity. For some people never grow up. It points to the reality that maturity is needed more than ever. What is maturity and how do we get it? Well, that's the focus today on Growing Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We bring you to 1 Timothy chapter 3 today and the qualifications for leaders in the church. Now, if you were with us last time, you'll remember this scripture not only describes leaders, but also what all Christians are to work towards by God's grace. We pick up in verse 2 with the call to hospitality, literally the love of strangers. It's a quality that's often overlooked, but essential. Enjoying meeting people friends and complete strangers. This is so important in a church. It's so important to be a witness. And every once in a while, somebody will say, well, nobody said hi to me. So we got the people out in front that bug you and hand you a bulletin just so you'll know we do appreciate. We're glad that you're here. Whether you come back again or not, And God's worked this into my life. I would have to say I hid out as a scientist in a laboratory, talked to a couple of doctors a day, and that was all I needed (laughs) besides my own family. But God has shown me that, and we'll see it a little further as we go along, that he's interested in reaching the whole world. And solitude is a luxury you can no longer afford when you become a Christian. You have to break out of that. You, you can't afford to be shy. God doesn't allow us to be shy. How can you evangelize? How can you tell people about God if you're paralyzed in fear to actually go up and talk to them about religion, right? That whole thing. So, again, I'm not condemning anyone. I'm giving you the, here's the bar. And God is saying, here's where I'm taking you. We're all in the process, right? None of us have arrived. God's not through with any of us. As long as you're here and breathing, some of you I'm not sure in the back, but if you're here and breathing, then God's working on you right now. Faith comes by hearing the Word. And so he's nudging us along towards this model that he's given. And if that area in your life, demanding solitude, is something you're very comfortable with, careful. God says you need to be friendly to strangers, love strangers, actually, so they can see that you're fond of people as God is fond of people. Hmm. God loves people so much, he came and died so that all can join him in eternity. Able to teach, last one in this section, didaktikos, the Greek means skilled. This is the only skill you might say uh, in all of this that's not a character trait, but this is Holy Spirit given. This is a gift of the Spirit at least enough to tell people about what God did in your life. Now, if you're a new believer, you're not ready to teach through the book of Hebrews yet, all right? But God is taking us through that process. There's always someone that knows less about the Scripture than you do. 
And God is looking to use us in that. It actually sets our own faith deeper, and he'll say that in a minute. Verse 3, not given to wine. Controversial verse. Paranos means not staying near the wine. <laughs> I thought that's kind of uh, interesting. A living Bible says not being a heavy drinker. Don't know the difference between heavy and light drinker. I just know that there are a lot of people in every church but certainly in ours, Thursday night, we have a new wine meeting with people who are stumbled by alcohol. For many of them, it was decades in their life. And so I try and be very careful and not do that, do anything that would stumble another person watching. And that's really Paul's point here, that if you're teaching high schoolers and then they walk into the pizza parlor and you've got three pictures in front of you, uh, brewski, then they might be stumbled by that. And so, what a burden, Pastor. You're putting everybody else's hang-ups on me. I'm not. God is. That's the point here. By the way, Solomon noticed this and said this to his son, Proverbs 31.4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, his name for his son. It is not for kings to drink wine, for princes to drink intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. They forget to help other people because they're caught up in their own little world. We'll come to that again when we get to the uh, servant's part. Not violent, not a smiter, not given to blows. A believer is supposed to act differently. Now, one of my favorite moments in ministry happened a while back, and the one that it happened to with me has since moved. So I can tell the story now. I couldn't for a long time. He lives now on the East Coast. So I'm going down Alabama Street here in my old pickup truck. Come to Lagonia, going to turn left, lights red. This guy is actually going to turn left from Lagonia on front of me. Well, my old carpet is stuck underneath my brake. And so I lift the brake up just enough to pull the carpet out, not realizing that I was moving forward two foot, okay, maybe two foot, and just as he was coming around. And he thought I was challenging him. Stops his truck, puts it in park, gets out of the truck, rips his shirt off, and comes running towards me. And I get out of the truck and said, listen, no, I'm so sorry, my foot just slipped. He said, Pastor Ed, <laughs> is that awesome or what? Awesome moment in history. We became good friends. I like a guy who speaks his mind. There's no problem. It's just like, okay, not violent. So, <laughs> let God fight his battles for him, that kind of thing, all right? Not greedy for money. So, the Greek word means free from the love of money. That's an important distinction. Money's not the problem. It's the love of it. Now, we have several people who are quite well off in our church who don't love money, I can tell. They just, they give to missions and they, they do things to help people. And we also have some people that I know personally that don't have any money and they love money. They, they just want it. And it becomes a, something that controls them. So God's not against wealth. He's saying, don't let it be something that you love, that you chase after and don't let it control you. And then, but gentle, be patient. A maturing believer is supposed to get more and more patient, mild, fair, equitable. That word is translated in different translations as we grow in the Lord. That's a process that's going on. And God sometimes tests us. In fact, Paul says, talks about tests. 
I was reading something from Charles Spurgeon. He was quoting a pastor, a guy's name was Wilkes, who was interviewing missionaries. That was his job, a missionary society he worked for. And so he, he would test all the missionaries. And he, there was a young man that he said, uh, come in early, I'm, it's time for you to be interviewed. And he said, sure, what time do you want me? He says, six o'clock in the morning. And so the kid comes 5.30, waits in his office, and he doesn't show up for two and a half hours later. And then he calls the kid in and he says, uh, do you love Jesus? He said, well, yes, I do. Do you want to serve him? Yes, I do. He says, here, you just finished college. Says, yes, sir, I did. And he said, can you spell? He said, well, yes, sir. He said, spell cat. And the kid looked at him, didn't say anything, and said, C-A-T. And the pastor said, that's very good. Now spell dog. And he said, D-O-G. Waiting for the punchline or something, right? And then the pastor said, are you any good at math? He said, well, fair. He said, what's two times? And the kid thought a moment, and he gave me the answer. He said, thanks, you pass, you can go. When he got to the committee meeting, this is what he said. I highly recommend that young man, his testimonial and character I have duly examined and tested. Besides that, I've given him a rare personal trial such as few could pass. I tried his self-denial. He was up very early in the morning. I tried his temper, and I tried his humility. He can spell cat and dog and can tell that twice two makes four. And he will do for a missionary exceedingly well. Now, not recommending you do that to people, that you test them, but it was a very effective test of this young man's maturity. And when you go out on the mission field, some places you go, you're the only one there. And so it was an appropriate test for him. Not quarrelsome or covetous, quarrelsome, abstain, from arguing, this is verbally, not contentious, and coveting, of course, without covetousness, wanting something, somebody else's stuff, verse 4. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. Again, a controversial characteristic. Protector, rule his house well. The, the word rule or manage means to care for a guardian of a home must be a good example again. Now, Here's where the controversy comes in. What does children mean? Having his children are all submission. You have a 35-year-old son living in your home. I'm not sure how well that's working out, that whole submission thing. What it's saying is, and I don't know when a child becomes an adult. The Jews look at 12 or 13 bar mitzvahs. In our state, at 16, you can emancipate yourself. High school graduation is kind of a rite of passage in our society, 18 all the rights that come to you. But certainly, at some point, this is not your responsibility, parents. I've had a lot of people over the years come to me and say, I need to step down because my kid's out of control. Well, how old is he? Well, he's 19. This just happened recently, and he's making some really bad choices. Well, I don't think you have to step down, according to the scripture we talked about. And I said, but we do need to pray that God would do something in his life. And we're still praying for him. So it's not something to cut somebody off from leadership about. And by the way, his, he told his son to leave his home, and the kid did. And, and he came back recently and said, it's too hard out there. He said, okay, well, then come on back home and live by the rules. And so right now it's 
Everything's back in control. You might try that if you have one of those. Children in submission, living in the home and under control. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Logical, if you can't manage home, how can you manage more people? This is Growing Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. He's describing the qualifications of a leader or mature believer found in 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's a high bar, but not one that's expected to be attained right away. It takes time. Picking up on that point in verse 6, here's Pastor Ed. Not a novice, interesting word. Literally, not newly planted. A new believer should not be pushed into leadership. It does bad things. Well, he says, at least being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Now, again, it's not a statement against youth. It's about experience or inexperience. It isn't good to put them out in front because Satan will take a shot at them. It was, of course, the fall of Satan was due to his own pride. I will be like God, he said. Now, he'll say it again in the next verse, slightly different, verse 7. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Okay, so the first part of that, good testimony with unbelievers. How do people who know you who are not Christians, or maybe even agnostics or atheists, what do they think about you? In other words, the idea is that does the non-Christian respect you as a person? Your character, again, we're talking about. A blameless life is calculated by God to be a witness for people around you who God wants to win into the kingdom, wants to spend eternity with Him. He wants them to come. So, you and I are a witness, and how we interact is important. Now, not fall into the snare of the devil. Uh, when you step into ministry of some kind, serving, I don't care if you're an usher or, or teaching junior hires, or, uh, I'll pray for you if you're teaching junior hires, God bless you. But whatever it is, you paint a target on yourself. Okay, that's what this is saying. Satan is going to take a shot at you. Well, then, Pastor, I think I'll just stay right where I am. No, no, that's part of maturing is learning how to handle the wiles of the devil. But it reminded me, and the guy said they have a, a slide of this, old Farside cartoon. There's these two deer standing there, right? One with a target. Bummer of a birthmark, Cal. So, yeah, you put a target on when you step into these. Don't get snared by Satan. Verse 8. Likewise, deacons. Okay, so now we go to the second category called deacons here. Elders in other places, it's uh, probably just clearly servant, which is what it means. Those who serve physically. Acts 6.4 gives us the story of the seven deacons in the early church. Remember, the, the Greek people were upset because the Jewish people were getting the widow's share, and none of the Greek widows were getting it enough, they said. So they appointed seven men to serve them. And by the names we can tell, they're all Greek men, and so that solved the problem. Those men went on to grow into further leadership. We know that Philip would become an evangelist, and his four daughters would be prophesying, or told in the book of Acts, and he would lead the Ethiopian eunuch to Christ. Stephen would be the first martyr of the church. Those two we're familiar with. So it's a stepping stone, this servant idea. Must be reverent. The word means, old King James said, grave, sober, honorable, probably honest is the simple statement here. Not dour, you know, not, not you're grumpy all the time, but it means that you take seriously the concept of eternity, right? That we're talking about where people spend eternity. 
And that's a serious matter. Not that it would jam you up so that you can't be pleasant, but that you would take that commission on you seriously. Not double-tongued, sincere, and not telling a different story. It means literally in the Greek. Not gossiping. Let your yes be yes. Don't tell a different story to one group than the other group. Not giving to much wine. Not giving heed to wine. Again, very much like the overseer that we saw. Deacons are also not to forget their problems by using chemicals. Shirk responsibility. Not greedy for money. Again, not pursuing dishonest gain. So we see some parallel things here. Verse 9, holding the mysteries of the faith with a pure conscience. This is interesting. Now, we know mysteries, the Greek word mysterion, means something that was formerly hidden that's now revealed. 1 Timothy 3.16, these mysteries of Christ, like the atonement, meaning Jesus died, paid the price for my sin, for your sin. That, that was a mystery. We didn't see that when you just read the Old Testament. Oh, there's hints at it, but it's not clear until you get to the New Testament. The concept of the incarnation, that God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, that's not clear in the Old Testament. The words are there, but it, it doesn't scream out, God is coming to earth. And we understand that now. So that's a mystery. Hold on to those mysteries of faith with a pure conscience. In other words, belief is reflected in your actions. You say you believe that. You say you're sincere. If you're sincere in the faith, then your actions will begin to show it. Again, no condemnation here. We're talking about where God is taking us. If you're not there yet, welcome to the human race. A lot of us are not there yet. None of us are there yet. Verse 10. But let these also first be tested. Let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. So this test goes on that there's a probation period by the way, it's in the present imperative. In the Greek language, that means that it's an ongoing test. You and I are being tested every day. And this is saying they maintain these qualities over time. Being found without blame. Again, we keep short accounts with God. Verse 11, likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Uh, reverent, deacon's wife, server's wife or husband. Again, grave in the New King James, a person of honorable character and good deeds. They take God seriously. Not slanderers, not malicious talkers, not gossip mongers, not anxious to take up an accusation against another person without proof of it. Choosing to believe the best of others. Ooh, that'll stop you, won't it? When you meet people, do you choose to believe the best about them? Or do you say, I can tell, that little beady-eyed person. Look for the best. Temperate, moderation, sober, not given over to the pleasures of the table, another translation says. Faithful in all things, trustworthy in everything, faithful in handling funds, secrets, counseling, a million ridiculous rumors that you hold on to things until you see how they work out. Verse 12, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. Now, this sounds like it's only males, but when you go to Romans chapter 16, verse 1, it speaks of a woman named Phoebe in Centuria, just down the road from Corinth, who is called the deaconess. So, obviously, you just flip this and say the, the wife of one husband, a one man, woman, or if you're male, one woman, man, ruling the household in their own house as well. Again, present tense, ongoing, sympathetic to the 
the stresses of other people in the same position in a home that you're in. Verse 13. Last verse. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Jesus taught about this in Luke chapter 19. These men were given different amounts of position, money, talents, and uh, when they came back and the one had done, first two had done well, Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. As much as you have done with the least of these, so you've done it to me. So that's part of this idea of serving people. Now, I trapped you here this morning. Some of you have been here for a while, know what's going on, but somebody stopped me the other day and said, what's with the signs over the doors? I couldn't find an entrance that didn't say servant's entrance. I said, so how'd you get in here? So I just came in and said, okay, I guess I'm going to have to be a servant. See, I trapped you. You all came into this room through a door that said over the top of it, servant's entrance, because that's what Jesus said that we are. That's what we're talking about here this morning. You are a servant. Whether or not you've assumed that, taken that on, put that into your mind, you are a servant of Jesus Christ if you surrendered your life to him. By the way, you can't get out of here without going through one of these doors that says over the top of them, you are entering a mission field. So I've turned you into servants and missionaries this morning, and I don't apologize for it because that's what God says that you and I are supposed to be. But he's saying that there's a blessing, that there's a blessing with being obedient. Here in this life, God will bless your life. Those who receive his abounding grace and gift of righteousness shall reign through the one Christ Jesus. You're going to reign with Jesus when you receive his grace. It's not based upon how carefully you do everything. It's based upon you receiving his free grace. And he will bless your life. He will cause it to prosper in all ways and then into eternity. I don't know exactly what that means. I just know that he's promised to bless our lives here good standing, great boldness in the faith because God keeps encouraging you as you share him with others. It's part of the process. Okay, let me close with a true story. Years ago, Raylan and I lived in Switzerland for a short time while I was going to school and I went hiking one day up the Matterhorn just to the foot of it. I didn't go all the way up. And there's a, a famous monument there. And it has a guy's name on it. And it's a monument to a faithful guide who had gone up to try and save a stranded hiker, a climber, and he himself was killed in the process. It has his name and the dates, and then it just had three words. It said, he died climbing. Now, I like that. And in fact, I think that's what Paul is talking about in this section of Scripture, that as maturing Christians, and we will always be maturing, you never get there, as long as you're breathing air, you're in the process, you're climbing. You're becoming more and more like him because he's changing you from the inside out. Now, if you don't know Jesus that way, if you've never experienced what I just described, don't leave this morning till you surrender to him. Pastor Ed Ray describing the maturing process the Lord has us in. That is, those who have surrendered to him. Now, if you've yet to surrender, do so now. Don't miss another moment of this exciting life of service to our Lord. And this is Grow in Grace. We've been in 1 Timothy today. Get today's study on CD by calling us toll-free at 844-77-GRACE. 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 
That's 844-77-GRACE. You can also listen to the program online at thepackinghouse.org. Again, we're at thepackinghouse.org. We don't like to make a big deal about it, but we are listener-supported ministry. And if God is calling you to take part in the ministry through a financial gift, we'd like to say thanks by sending you Power Through Prayer by E.M. Bounds. Maybe prayer to you is just something you do without much thought before a meal or just another thing to cross off your to-do list. There's great power through prayer, and this book will help to elevate your thinking about it to see how it truly makes a difference. This guidebook provides believers with information about the most effective ways to use prayer to better understand God's Word, to fully appreciate divine power, and more deeply commune with God. Again, that's your gift of any amount to grow in grace. You can call 844-77-GRACE. We are always touched when we hear about what God is doing through this radio ministry. If you're growing in grace as you study alongside us, would you mind shooting us an email today? Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. Then join us back here next time for Grow in Grace as we return to 1 Timothy. In the meantime, keep looking to Jesus and grow in His grace. Zion, now filled with hands And in this place gotta dwell with man Sick be healed and the crippled stand Singing hallelujah My kingdom built with the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice for everyone Faith, hope, love and harmony I said let this world know me by your